everyone. Welcome to Don't Be a Drag, a podcast where we discuss different issues in the LGBT community, but more specifically, have interviews with different drag kings and drag queens from all across the country. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Moby Dick, who is from Brooklyn, New York. He is going to be talking to us a little bit about kind of just his experience and the world of drag from Moby's eyes. So how are you doing today, Moby? Hey, how you doing, folks? I'm uh, terrific. Yeah, terrific. Patrick, I want to say thank you for uh, doing this podcast. It's important to kids today, you know, and uh, kids and everybody, for that matter, know who uh, their uh, forefathers are, right? Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of just where you come from. I can tell, how long is this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you a lot about myself. Uh, Well, you know, like, you got it right. I'm from Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, I I started drag, being a drag king in 1995 in New York City, and uh, specifically the East Village. I I did my performing in the East Village because, boy, that was the hotbed of creativity. We had a lot going on. There was all kinds of weirdos, and I say weirdos with all due respect, because these people, you know, that I hung out with, we all had a great time, and, you know, it was it was terrific. Every night of the week, there was a different drag party going on, and, and we all supported each other, and it was a terrific, terrific time. Like I said, I started in 1995, and I started Club Casanova, which was dedicated. It was the first, world's first uh, weekly drag king show and party. Okay, so and uh, I organized it, I hosted, I produced it, and uh, you know we had, we had drag king show. There was a drag king DJ, a drag king at the door, a drag king go go dances. And uh, it was terrific. We had a great, great time. That ran for two years and uh, different clubs, different places, you know, around the city and, and stuff because, you know, sometimes it was a problem, you know, as, you know, people today even run, you know, into problems hosting, you know, having a party in the club. Sometimes the clubs move, they change owners, you know, different things like that. So, yeah, that's a little bit about what I was doing. So how was it starting something like that? Because for most of us down here in the South, we get experience and kind of get to see some of the world with drag queens, but even that is somewhat limited down here. How is it starting as a king, that type of performing group and kind of family up there? Because y'all have a lot more opportunities to put this type of stuff together, but I'm sure it's still hard for drag kings just starting out? Well, that's a terrific question, Patrick, because uh, I'll tell you why. Because when I started, I'm an Aries, and so I like a good challenge. And there was a lot of people who said to me, Mo, i never seen a good drag king. It's not going to work. It's going to be a flop, blah, 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 blah. And that was gasoline on my fire, you understand? And I that propelled me, that motivated me. And, and I said, well, terrific fuck face i'm gonna prove you wrong and uh so and i did you know it was a very very successful party and um you know so basically it was you know hard in some ways you know at first you know convincing people but then once people came to the show you walked in and you said 
whoa, what's going on here? You know, because like I said, you're greeted by a drag king at the door. And then you walk in, you see drag king go-go dancers, you know, dancing on the go-go boxes. You look over, the DJ's a drag king. You see drag kings walking around, and then the show starts, and it's a drag king show. So, and I knew that there's power in numbers. So any revolution, you can't have a revolution by yourself. You know, you get, what kind of parade is it by yourself? You know, party for one, that's not so fun. You know, so, you know, when you gather the team together, you gather the troops together, and, you know, you have a good time. So that was the success of it. So if anybody wants to start something, you grab grab a bunch of people, grab a group of people, and you do it together, and you support each other, and everybody's promoting, and everybody's, you know, doing their own thing together. You know, you could do your own thing, and then, you know, you gather as a team and a force, and so you could do your own thing together. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so that, that's strength in numbers. So... Obviously, since you first started, a lot of things have changed and evolved. Drag has become a lot more mainstream, especially within the last 10 or so years, at least so that I've seen. What is something that inspired you when you were first starting or people who kind of helped you see what drag was and give you a better understanding of drag culture? drag queens who inspired me specifically mistress formica and there was a, a promote party promoter mario diaz and who still promotes parties here in los angeles i moved to los angeles by the way and um the weather in new york city after a while it's like oh enough um so it was these fellas they taught me the ropes about doing you know, the whole, uh, you know, how to do party promotion and stuff. And so it was, but it was Mistress Formica who, you know, her sense of drag, the punk, you know, the uh, in-your-face, the um, political, outspoken, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I, I never, you know, came across a, you know, Mr. Nice Guy. Do you understand? Like, I, it was never like, oh, hooray, you know, peace, love, and understanding. You know, mm -hmm. it was, this wasn't a hippie project. You know, there was, we had Rudy Giuliani in office as the mayor of New York. And that guy, let's break it down, he's an asshole. And he was a reason why I stopped Club Casanova. So for me, it was political. To get on stage is political. Uh, and I say it all the time that for a, a woman to put on a suit, is threatening a man to put on a dress is comedy. So today it's still threatening for a drag king to come out and perform. So yeah, and I totally agree. Drag queens, a dime a dozen, very mainstream, thanks to RuPaul, you know, and different television shows, and you see a drag queen in it, you know, whatever. But, you know, you don't see too many drag kings, you know, because it's still a threat. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do so you... drag kings aren't mainstream yet. And me, quite frankly, I've never been a mainstream kind of person. I've always been the underground and the, you know, the, uh, you know, punk. And that's my era. I grew up last millennium. The kids today, you know, I don't, everything is mainstream, really. I mean, what's underground? There's no underground. Everything's mainstream because it's, you got social media. Social media, everything's out and exposed. Do you, right? Yeah. Do you feel that um, drag kings should be more mainstream? Well, in mainstream as in the sense of like the television shows and other areas like that. Do you think that drag kings 
still need to like break and that if barrier. You think that you want to define mainstream as a part of a larger culture? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, drag kings need to be. You know, it's it's like it's, it's like why you only focus on half the population? That doesn't make mm-hmm. sense, right? Where are some areas that you think that maybe we could start incorporating drag kings more to help that? That's a great question. Well, first and foremost, so the drag kings today, I see a lot on, you know, Facebook and, you know, whatnot. The kids today are having a hard time getting clubs, nightclubs. So firstly, you know, uh, having the drag queen say, hey, let's do a duet and bring it, uh, introduce a drag king by doing a duet, by doing, you know, we used to do duets all the time with the drag queens, you know, mm-hmm. it was all the time, you know, so it's fun. And then, and then the drag king can perform solo. And so that people can start seeing the drag kings, you know, and say, oh, look at that, you know, and, you know, and have nightclubs, uh, have, you know, drag king night only, you know, welcome that. Some bar mm-hmm. owners don't want that because they only see RuPaul Drag Race, they only see drag queens. So they're like, nah, drag kings aren't out there, you know, so they're not giving anybody a, a chance. And that's not fair. Right? Absolutely. Do you? So it's got to start with the nightclubs. It's got to start with the nightclubs. And then like, doing what you're doing, it's terrific that you're asking me questions, you're introducing drag kings, you know, including drag kings, introducing drag kings to your audience. And that's what's important. So it's all about inclusion. That's actually something that some of my friends on campus had told me about was they knew that drag kings had existed, but they didn't really see them because like you said, things like RuPaul's Drag Race and in the clubs, all they saw was drag queens performing and they didn't really understand that there was a different side of it, which is one reason why doing this podcast, trying to show both sides because last semester we did have mostly queens that we talked to, but they were more so local queens. And this semester I'm trying to do more kings to show y'all's side and how things affect you from your view. Right. Thank you. I appreciate it. So now that you've moved to Los Angeles, what are some, I guess, difficulties moving into a new place like that, that you've had to experience and had to overcome to try to get your foot back on, or was it just kind of like an easy transition for you? Huge difference between New York and Los Angeles. For one, you need a car here, and everything's spread out. So, you know, when I, in New York, you know, you could walk or jump in a cab and, you know, two minutes you're at the next club, you know, so I could perform a couple times in a night, you know, in New York, easy, you know what I mean? Like, go to this club, stop in this place, say hello to people, you know, you do a guest appearance, GA, you do a lap around, hey, how you doing, you know, and, you know, keep yourself out there in the public eye. And so it's very easy, you know, getting around, get walking and cabs all the different clubs and places and people, you know, whereas LA, you go to one place and you go to that one place. And, you know, like I said, there's not a whole lot of inclusion, you know, too. So, you know, makes it harder. And then also promoting, you know, so promoting in New York, you could walk around and you pass out flyers and, you know, people would, you know, take them. And then you could do wheat pasting, which, you know, you post them, 
post up your party on, on uh, you know, poles and trees and, you know, all that junk. And here, you know, people don't walk around, so they're not going to see anything. They don't really go and look at coffee shops at, for flyers and posters and stuff. So it's a very different, you know, so it's like you got to get in people's faces in other ways. And so thank God for social media so you can promote that way. You know, but then it's, you know, it's a competitive sport now trying to compete on social media, yeah. you know. And also, I was going to say, too, with the drag queens, you know, the drag queens. And one way I can understand, you know, that why they, they're, you know, holding back and maybe they don't want a drag king to perform with them because it's competitive. It's competitive. And, you know, for them to get a job and then are they going to share their money? Are they going to share the job? Are they mm-hmm. going to share the stage? You know, they got to be a little generous hearted. So I'm hoping some drag queens, you know, are going to be willing and, and uh, you know, come full circle and, and include drag kings as well. Because it's important. It's life. It's life. Speaking of the I, issues of social media, you said you started drag in 1995. And that's yeah. right as the internet was first created. And we first kind of got that experience and everybody's eyes were open to it. How has it changed for you watching how the internet, like how, how has it affected you like going from a performer with, without the internet being there to now it's being how everybody does everything. Well, in some ways I'm glad there wasn't the internet because you know, you can be raunchy, you know, mm-hmm. we were raunchy. We said all kinds of stuff. We did all kinds of stuff, you know, and you know, you can't have nudity in, on the internet and mm-hmm. on the social media. You get booted. You get kicked off. You know, there was all kinds of nudity. There was all kinds of stuff going on. You don't know who was fucking who sometimes. And, you, know, <laughs> you don't know what was going on. And, you know, New York was wild. was wild, you know, back last millennium. And, uh, you know, so thank God, you know, we didn't have cameras in our faces in some ways. You know, but now it's um, terrific because... You know, you can, you know, some, it's in one way it's good and one way it's bad. One way it's good is that, you know, you can connect with your audience. You can, you know, people can get to know what you're doing. They could come and they can find you easier. You know, there's that. But then the bad side of it is that a popularity contest, you know, mm-hmm. if some people see, oh, I'm going to book that king because he's got more followers than that one but even though the one without the many followers might not be so interested in social media is a better performer mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's it's tough it's it's tough you know so i think it's you know you got to take everything with a grain of salt and be smart and do your research now you mentioned speaking of kind of how things have changed and people's looks and everything um you mentioned that yourself you are kind of more of a tough guy and a rebel type of aesthetic. How has your aesthetic helped you or even hindered you in some of the things that you do? Do some people only see you as that one like character that you're portraying or do you think that it's kind of gotten you no, stuck in that one place? Yeah. You know, because we got the, um, you know, you know, people seen Moby Dick, they've seen his soft side, you know, my soft side, you know, then, you know, there's different performances I do and, you know, different things. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, a, it's human nature. You got the whole scope of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, with, uh, emotions, whole range of emotions, 
you know, that it depends which, you know, song I might sing. It depends, you know, what monologue I might be doing, you know, and a monologue, you know, like I come up with, you know, an idea, a thought, or, you know, cracking jokes, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, I am who I am, you know, so, and people know who I am, and they, you know, a lot of times people give me a gift. They said, oh, man, I think you'd love this shirt. And, uh, you know, oh, I found this belt buckle or, you know, wow, look at these shoes. They remind me of you, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's good. They can identify. Now, kind of going outside of the performance and your character, we had talked a little bit before this and I kind of wanted to know some of the hard things that you yourself have had to deal with and experience outside of just drag and the LGBT community. And you told me that you actually had to deal very recently with the passing of a family member. Can you tell me how that experience, how, how you were able to handle that going with everything that you were already having to do? Well, uh, you know, it's exactly what I was just talking about the whole range of emotions. I never experienced grief before. It was a whole new thing, and it tells you right in the kisser. You know, all of a sudden, you know, I found myself crying at nothing. And, you know, I mean, nothing meaning, you know, nobody punched me, nobody kicked me in the nuts, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, something like that. And then I found myself crying. And, you know, and and it it was an unusual emotion, an unusual, you know, experience, uh, you know, with grief. And you have a whole different relationship and a whole different perspective to life, you know, and which is good because, you know, it makes you appreciate the moments more. You know, because you realize, wow, all we have is today. All we have is right now. And, uh, you know, all this future tripping or the worry and, you know, and all that junk, it don't matter mm-hmm. because anything can happen to anybody right now, you know, so you just enjoy right now. And, you know, that's, and my brother said that he said, Mo, you live your life to the fullest. Make sure you do that. I do it already. But, you know, he said, keep doing it. You're doing a great job. You know, so, yeah, it was hard. It was very, very hard. He was my oldest brother. I come from mm-hmm. a family of 10 kids. And, uh, you know, it was, it was tough. It was tough, you know, but he, what he did was the, the, he unified our family, you know, because everybody's doing everything, every, you know, everybody's busy, you know, with their lives and their stuff, you know, and all that. And now it's like, you know, we take the time to reach out. How you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, just the little things. It's the little things that matter. Yeah. Speaking of your family, how did your family handle you, like, telling them that you wanted to become a drag performer? Was it something that oh, kind of my, just was my, like, cool? My family, they all come, my, not all of them, but, you know, yeah. my siblings, they all go to the shows, you know, because I got family in Philadelphia, I got family, I had a brother who was in New York, a brother in San Fran, sisters in Denver, sister in, in uh, Albuquerque, you know, so I had family all over the country, and I toured... U.S. and Canada three times with the Drag King show, and everywhere we and I got cousins in Ohio, and uh, you know so we would stay at my family's house everywhere we went, 
and uh, they all came to the show. They bring their friends to the show. They had a terrific time. So I had a lot of support from my family, from my siblings. My mother, she forbade my father. She said, "No, I don't. I don't want my husband to come and see you and drag that weed." And he said, "Well, I don't want to weed about it. Whatever." My 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 mother's a little old fashioned. My father really wanted to come to the show, but he hasn't. So, you know, but they accepted it. They just, you know, they didn't understand it. I don't expect mm-hmm. them to understand everything. You know, they're all the generation. But, uh, you know, they don't have to understand, but they accept it. And that, that's, and that's they love me no matter yeah. what. So that's what's important. So what what is something that you would want to tell somebody who may be starting out just as you were wanting to either perform in drag or either is even just trying to come out to their families and figure out everything that's going on what would something that you would want to tell them well those are two different issues so coming out is one issue and you know becoming a drag king is another you know what i mean like those are two kind of separate issues and the, the coming out is a whole you know area in and of itself Mm -hmm. you know so you know, because somebody coming out, I would suggest get your friends, tell your friends what you're going to do, that you're going to come out to your family, you're going to come out, you know, to your siblings, you're going to come out to, at work, or you're going to come out, whatever, you know what I mean, wherever you're going to come out, you're going to, you know, you get your support system with you, you know, and you get a team, like I said, strength in numbers, mm-hmm. and, you know, you come out, and if, God forbid, anything bad should go on, you got your team right there supporting you, right? Yeah. So it's, you're not alone. So that's the biggest thing. Make sure you're not alone. And, uh, you know, so, and then with the drag kings, you know, like that, make sure you're the same thing though, pretty much, you know, make sure you're not alone, you know, get, you, you know, but for an individual drag king who's going to come out, you know, it's create a character, make sure you got a stage costume. I saw some drag king, you know, I was looking on social media and they posted, said, oh, here's my performance. You know, and a terrific performer, mm-hmm. but the outfit, I looked at the outfit, I said, what the fuck is this? You know, a pair of jeans and a, you know, like a, a thump shirt, you know, and I said, this is show business, mm-hmm. you're in show business, you know, it's not business, you know, this, you know, business as usual, you know, this is show business, you got to put on a show, you got to have showy clothes, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so it's stage. So put a little glitz on it, you mm-hmm. know, it doesn't take a lot of money. You could go to a thrift store. You know, and get some arts and crafts and, you know, you can do something for $5. You can get a coat for $5, you know, and just bling it up, you know, and that and the learn how to do There's tutorials today. We didn't have the tutorials on the, you know, the YouTube and all that. You know, we told each other and then you practice and stuff. And so the kids today, they got it kind of easier because you got all the YouTube tutorials, how to do the makeup, how to do your hair you know, different tips and here and there, and, you know, make sure you know the words to the song, you know, (laughs) and make, it's a story, and create a story, it's a show, create Mm -hmm. a show, you know, and bring the audience in to this story, and have fun, biggest thing is have fun, if you're having fun, then we're having fun. Outside of kind of their costume and presence and performance, do you think that there's any things that whether it be a drag queen or drag king like kind of do's and don'ts that you should and shouldn't do when you're first starting out with this stuff well mm, number one like i said learn your lines know you know the song Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know you can't fake it you know you're faking it you know um 
lot of do's and don'ts. I don't know. That's hard. Uh, I didn't think about that one. Uh, but like, do have fun. Number one, that should be number one. Have fun. Because, you know, if you take yourself too seriously, you know, we're going to be serious. You know, people come out, they're drinking, maybe they're doing drugs, I don't know, but I don't care, I'm not judging. You know, but, you know, they want to, people go out to have a good time. They want to have an experience, Mm -hmm. right? And they don't have the guts to get on stage. If you got the courage to get on stage, make it meaningful. Have fun. You know, crack a joke. And and more importantly, you know, create a, a character so we know who you are. In other words, people know who Moby Dick is. Like I said, people, you know, come to my party, come to my show, say, oh, Mo, here's a shirt, here's a great shirt. Oh, look at these shoes. Oh, hey, I got a picture. Oh, look at this, you know, trinket. You know, I thought of you, you know, and stuff. And so people know my character. So create a character, a whole story around who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's important because something you could put the name, but you know, what's it mean if nobody knows who you are? Now, you know. speaking of kind of making sure people know who you are and kind of doing that, it can leave a mark. And something you've been very vocal about, especially recently, has been a new website called dragkinghistory.com. Tell me a little bit about what this is and kind of how it started. Uh, it is, boy, we could talk forever for this because I'm <laughs> so excited about it. It's so, so exciting. So it started um, last year. I saw all these young kids, kings rather, um, you know, posting and saying, yeah, you know, there's no other drag kings. There's no, nobody never heard of no drag kings. And I'm like, what am I, chopped liver? You know, like, oh, what about me? Like, come on, I did it in 1995, and I could tell you, you know, this person, this person, this person. Like, there's loads of drag kings, you know, kid that came before you. Then I realized, you know what? They don't have it online. They don't see, you know, um, all this online. So I, I said, you know what? They're right. So I got to do something. I'm their elder. I got to make sure these kids today know their history. So I started doing research and I said, holy shit, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than any of us, you know, and all of us together. Because it goes back to the Tang Dynasty in China, right? And so Mm -hmm. where there were male impersonators in the Chinese opera. And there was Wu Zetian, who was the one and only uh, female empress in all of China. There never, ever, ever has been a another female leader in China. So she is the one and only, and that happened in the Tang Dynasty, and that's when things changed, you know, dramatically for women in the arts. And, uh, you know, women were denied the stages, you know, all over the world for years. And, you know, so then when they opened up the stages, allowed women to perform, some of them said, hey, let me try being a male impersonator. Let me try in travesty. Let me try breaches roles. And those are different uh, uh, terms for the theatrical traditions, right? Breaches roles, they wore men's clothing, basically. And, and travesty is disguise. 
and then male impersonation, you obviously know what that is. And then, of course, Drag King started, that term started in 1972. So this website, you know, it started in January. We started with this idea, and um, we did it just recently did a Kickstarter that was very successful. And we're getting the website um, on its feet and getting it going and, and populating it. And we've got a newsletter we're going to be sending out and letting people know what's happening with the website. And it's very exciting. Very, very exciting because this has never been done before. People don't know the history. So this is going to go from, you know, B.C. through to 1972. And then that's phase one. And then next year, sometime probably in a year, we're going to start with 1973 to, to today. You know, so we'll be populating it with all the other you know, with all the drag kings from today. So this is going to be a resource library for everybody, for the world to enjoy. So this is something, it is already live, correct? Uh-huh. So where where will people need to go if they want to check this out? Dragkinghistory.com All right, so make sure you guys check that out and are... Um, looking into that, especially with all the updates that they'll be posting, sign up for their newsletter and make sure you're on board to find out all this great information. Are there any things in particular that y'all have looked through so far that have just really stuck out for you and just been really exciting to be able to see, whether it be a specific person you found out about or a group or what have you? Well, I was so I was surprised by the history in China. My God, I mean, Tang Dynasty, we're talking 700 Mm -hmm. B.D., you know, that's a long time ago, you know, that's, uh, you know, we're talking like 13, over 1300 years ago, you know, that's a long time, you know, so that's shocked the shit out of me for that, you know, because, uh, you know, you think, oh, well, you know, everybody thinks the West is so progressive, Mm -hmm. well, it wasn't, you know, everything started in China, you know, they were more advanced than anybody. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, socially today, they're not. And maybe socially today, there's some uh, sexism. You know, and there's sexism all over the world. Women are denied stages and, you know, and and this and that. But uh, the other things, I think what shocked me the most was doing the research and seeing how women were denied the stage. There was a papal decree and that did not allow women to perform on stage so the popes would get young boys and castrate them so they would sound like girls. And that, to me, is horrifying Mm -hmm. to know that history. And yet women, you know, were, um, they did the Commedia dell'arte, which they would do breaches roles, and that was in the street. So they would go from town to town, and they would do live theater in the towns. But women, you know, uh, snuck in, and they performed that way, which I thought was funny. Um, You know, so women are clever, and they, you know, defied, you know, defied the patriarchy, transcended patriarchy by uh, performing and doing these things. They got economic uh, privilege and they were allowed political power. So there's all these things. And a lot of research is being done now. Jillian M. Raja wrote a book, Just One of the Boys. And she did, she went through a hundred years of microfilm. 
to write this book. It's spectacular. Just One of the Boys by Jillian M. Maja. It's just a treasure trove of male impersonators, breaches roles. I mean, just really extraordinary. So there was a, a lot of research is being done now, and they're going back in time and revisiting because basically like troubadours in the 13th century, there was you know a lot of male troubadours. People didn't know about the female troubadours, but there were hundreds of female troubadours. They just threw out their their information because they said women don't matter, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like those sort of things I'm uncovering. Well, so, which it's important, and it's kind of you know. I said to the kids today, I said, listen, if you're hysterical, it's historical because the kids today are hysterical because they can't get, you know, stage time. And I said, well, it's historical. Look at what women have had to go through in history. And I, I don't, I, I'm not condoning, you know, what anybody has to go through, but I'm saying, you know, I get it and I understand it's mm-hmm. historical. You know, we've been going through this for centuries well, we definitely thank you for everything that you're doing with this project because it is extremely important to know, as you said, the history that everything is coming from and where we have gone to get to where we are now. But like you said, you haven't du- you haven't started um, posting the stuff from more recent, but I know you were just featured in an article by Pride.com about drag kings that you should definitely know about. And we know a yeah. lot of these names, Spiky Van Dyke, Coco Kane, um, Buck Wild, and a bunch of the other people who are in there. But who are some people that you think we need to make sure we know about and make sure that we're looking into and seeing? Oh, that's a great question. I can name two people right off the bat. Uh, Dread, D-R-E-D, who was a, a hands down the best performer of my time. The best performer. And uh, he is out of the game now. He's not on social media, um, unfortunately, but he, the best performer there was. And if you, you can go, you can find him online, you know, but he's not current. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is Wang Newton. Hilarious. He's a current drag king out of New York City. Uh, he travels to Taiwan a lot. He's from Taiwan. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, definitely those kings. And then some of the, so when you see these, these larger kings, you know, like Landon Sider, you know, here in Los Angeles, you know, you go to Landon's show, then you see all the other kings that perform with Landon. And these fellas are terrific. They are very, very talented. And, uh, you know, um, Havoc Von Doom, you know, and then there's, um, Oh, man, the drag kings in uh, England, uh, Oliver Assets, Max Ryder, there's drag kings in Northern California, San Francisco, there's Fudgy Frotage, who has been doing the uh, drag king contest in San Francisco for almost 25 years, Uh, you know, huge scene in San Francisco and Oakland. So there's a lot going on. That that list was only 11 drag kings, and I mean, yeah, you know, there's you could have 1100. I mean, there, there's so much going on. So where are some places, say, if somebody's traveling? Because like I know around here we have smaller areas um, where we may happen to see a drag king here or there. But where are places that? you can see this pretty regularly. Cause I know we've talked to some people in DC, New York and LA obviously, but where are some other places that 
have really good performers that in oh, big areas. Denver, Colorado. Those drag kings are very talented. They, boy, I just went to the Austin International Drag Festival, mm-hmm. and boy, they brought the house down. They're a, a tight troupe, and they perform together as a group. And man, these guys rehearse. They do full production shows. They are hard working. Very, very talented. And uh, then there's a bunch of drag kings in Seattle, Toronto, Canada has drag kings. Um, you know, Austin's got a terrific scene. Uh, like I said, San Francisco, you know, here in Los Angeles, you've got the, you know, Landon Sider, whatever he's doing. He always brings in, you know, big group of guys, you know, drag kings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to think where else off the top of my head. There's Arizona. There's Tucson. Um yeah, there's drag kings everywhere. You know, just scratch the surface a little bit, you can find them. Well, thank you very much for all of those names. Uh, we're definitely going to try to tag some of these in our description once we get the podcast uploaded, so that way all of you can find some of these awesome people and great groups that are performing. Um, we are almost out of time for today. But, Mo, I was wondering if there was anything else that you wanted to just throw out there for the people that are listening, whatever it may be. Yeah, if, they, if anybody wants to get to know more about me and my history, they can go to MrMobyDick.com. That's M-R-M-O-B-D-I-C-K.com. That's my website. And you could uh, check out and see all the things I, I've done. And then, uh, you know, I was in a John Waters movie. I was in P.E.K.K.A. You know, in 1998, that came out. And uh, let's see, you can find me on Facebook, Moby Dick. It's M-O-B period D-I-C-K. And, uh, yeah, connect. Let's connect on social media. I'm on the Facebook. I'm on the Instagram. You know, all that. I don't do the Twitter, though. I don't <laughs> like that so much. But uh, the Facebook and the Instagram, I like that. Yeah. All right. So make sure hey, you get. Patrick, thanks yes. again. Thanks a million for this interview. You've been terrific. I really appreciate being included, and it's very important. And uh, yeah, I I wish you a very happy New Year. Cheers to twenty nineteen. Huh? Awesome. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you Mo for coming on. We greatly appreciate it and everything you do. But unfortunately, our time is done for today. So my name's Patrick, and this is our podcast. And remember, don't be a drag. Just be 